What does Pepsi have that Coke doesn't? Pepsi is not just a beverage company, but it's also a snacks company. And in fact, snacks dominate the revenue at Pepsi. But what does that mean for their strategy? Is it a different business model than Coke or the same? Are they executing on it better or worse? We dive into the details in this case study on PepsiCo. PepsiCo, another amazing brand. And last week we talked about Coca-Cola, but PepsiCo is an interesting company, similar, but not the same, unique, but not totally unique and has a different history, different story, but you'll see some real major parallels in the companies. What we'll do in this episode today is talk about how PepsiCo has built the brands that they've built, what major difference they have to Coca-Cola, how they behave in their strategy and why it matters and why it almost ruined the company when they didn't follow their core values. And then finally, in the future, how PepsiCo is likely to be successful. Our focus today is best grounded in a little bit of a history of PepsiCo. One of the things that's interesting is that PepsiCo was actually founded within a couple of years of Coca-Cola, and it was developed by a pharmacist and a businessman also in the South, Coke in Columbus, Georgia, and PepsiCo in North Carolina. So between the two of these, these were similar businesses with similar stories, but that's really where some of the similarities end. At that point, the businessman who began PepsiCo, Caleb Bradham, he ran the business for over 20 years. Instead, the pharmacist that began the Coca-Cola brand, he passed away just a couple of years after creating it. And through a partnership, Coca-Cola was put in through rigorous business processes and more actively managed at an earlier stage than Pepsi was. Both of the companies grew with the U.S., and most of their business was in the U.S. for a long period of time. But in the 1950s and 60s, both companies made their first acquisitions. Coca-Cola acquired Minute Maid, and PepsiCo acquired Frito-Lay. These represented two major deviations in how the business's playbooks would work going forward. Coke was setting itself up to be a beverages business. And with only one exception, the acquisition of Columbia Pictures, Coke has remained a beverages business throughout its tenure. Frito-Lay, however, represents a snacks business. And because of the snacks business, what PepsiCo was saying was, we are a consumer products business. We are a quick grab consumer products business focused on both beverages and snacks. So with that deviation in business strategy came the difference in the company. Actually, interestingly, also with that major change that PepsiCo made, we saw a big swing in PepsiCo's market share and PepsiCo became a more viable, active and threatening competitor to Coca-Cola over the next couple of decades. Since then, both have maintained their acquiring sprees, Coke buying more beverages, Pepsi buying beverages and products to build out their portfolios, to the point where now Pepsi is actually dominated in terms of revenue, product mix dominated in their snacks business. So you can find more Pepsi snacks that are dominated in the world collectively than Pepsi drink products. However, the top selling Pepsi product is still Pepsi beverages. So between the brands, Pepsi is the dominant one. But if you aggregate the categories together, Pepsi is more a snacks company than it is a beverages company. 
Now, what does this mean for Pepsi's business model? Well, both Pepsi and Coke have the same business model. They're a variable cost business. Every time you consume a Pepsi or pop open a bag of Doritos, those are variable costs. It costs them something to source the product, build the product, get the product to you. And both of them use, both Coke and Pepsi, um, use distribution channels to get their message or product out to the world. And those distribution channels include stadiums, they include retail partnerships, and they include restaurants. And in the last 20 years, Pepsi has made major inroads in some of the non-retail sectors because of their increase in the brand portfolio, for example, their acquisition of Gatorade, and the broader appeal of Pepsi because they returned their core. Now, for a number of years after Pepsi bought Frito-Lay, Pepsi lost the core of who they were, and their main business strategy was discounting. Discounting in a variable cost business is a cycle of death because the discounting results in you lowering your price, your competitor not really caring, you gaining a certain amount of market share, that's addictive. If you want more market share, the only way to do it is to lower your price again. And so if you lower your price and lower your price and lower your price, you set yourself up in a totally different category than your competitors and you reinforce what their brand promise is rather than yours. So in this situation, Pepsi was basically saying, we're not as good as Coke and Coke was saying, we're the beverage of choice, which Pepsi was saying exactly the same thing as Coke in a totally different way. What Pepsi did that was radical is that they changed their brand story. So about 20 years ago, Pepsi said, we have our own brand. We're a different brand than Coke. We're a new brand an international brand, a funkier brand. We're going to appeal to different people and we're going to win in that market. And when they started to do that, they returned to their variable cost routes and they said, we're going to build the brand that allows us to command a higher pricing power. And then we're going to run all of our products through that brand and we're going to win. So we're not going to compete solely on price. We're going to compete on story. We're going to compete in a way where when we can maintain our price, it's just a volume game. We maintain our price, we max the volume. If we need more volume, we go get it in a couple of different ways. And so when Pepsi returned to that, that was a major transformation in the business. What can Pepsi do going forward in order to maintain or even grow its success? Well, we can take a look at their financial statement and then we can talk about their growth pathways. In 2017, Pepsi had net revenue of $63.5 billion. That grew in 2018, 64.7. Cokes did not. In 2019, it grew again, 67.2. So it's growing every year. However, the growth is pretty marginal. We're talking like under 4% a year in the biggest year, and then even smaller than that in other years. So Pepsi is stagnating in terms of its revenue growth, which maintains an even more important focus on ensuring that their profit growth, their operating profit, and especially their gross profit, because they're a variable cost business, is maintained at the same levels. And we see that they're growing about the same amount in their cost of sales every year, 2017, 2018, and 2019. Now, if you look at the ratios of Coke versus Pepsi, you do see that Coke commands a higher price point. They have higher gross margins on the business than Pepsi does as a percentage. That's a concern for Pepsi and something that they still need to maintain and work on rectifying. And they could do that in a couple of different ways. They could change product sizes for the same pricing. Um, They could push more brand power. They could promote cross-selling. But ultimately, that is a concern for Pepsi if they're not able to correct that. However, this is still a recipe for success. We're looking at a profitable business and the growth in profits is increasing 
increasing as the business increases. However, when we look at the operating profit line, the operating profit is kind of stagnant. And so one of the things that that could mean is that Pepsi is spending more selling general and administrative every year on getting the customers through the door, which Coke is not. So what should Pepsi do to be successful going forward? They've got a couple of choices. They can grow globally, so they can grow and acquire new customers. New people buying their products is one method of growth. Another method of growth is that they can get the people who are currently buying their products to buy more of their products. A third method of growth is to expand their distribution channel so that you could buy Pepsi more regularly in restaurants or stadiums or experiential places in airports, for example. Um, and using Pepsi products in other places could drive growth. Um, or they can continue to acquire so they can add more brands. But Pepsi has to maintain a focus on one main thing. They can't just get more gross profit and then go spend it on advertising if that's not a virtuous cycle. Coke has it down more than Pepsi does. Pepsi has broader scope. So Pepsi has more profit and more products in more categories. I like that. That sets them up for success. But Coke is delivering better on what they have today. So between the two of them, it's hard to say who's going to be a winner in the future. Both of them can coexist. Both of them can be profitable. Coke has a better current playbook. I think Pepsi has the better upside. We love comparing brands and companies, fabled storied ones like Coca-Cola and Pepsi. It's fun to talk about the history and the business model and their future chances for success. We're excited to walk with you through these. And if you have a proposal for a company that you want us to highlight, please just send it over by email, team at managementconsulted.com. In addition, if you'd like to join us for the journey, we have a YouTube channel. We're here, so subscribe to the podcast and you can find us including more strategy training at managementconsulted.com.